the sad truth is if you haven't got time to prep your food, if you haven't got time to move a little bit more and get a bit of exercise and take care of yourself now, you need to make time to be ill later in life. And when I say ill, I'm talking seriously ill. Welcome to the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. Join your host, Mark Slight, as he gets the best information, inspiration, help, and advice from the world's best athletes, performance coaches, and health experts so that you can look, move, and feel your best at 40 and beyond. Remember, it's never too late to live the life of your dreams. Now here's your host, Mark Slight. Hello and welcome back to season number two of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. I can't actually believe we recorded a season two and I'm, I'm really, really happy to be back in front of the microphone talking to all you beautiful people again. We've had a couple of months away over the summer. That season one has totally blown me away. All the nice comments, the reviews, people reaching out to me throughout the summer, asking when it's going to be back, when are we going to see more guests again on the podcast. Totally, totally overwhelmed by how much support there's been. And for everyone who's reached out, I thank you so, so much for that. So what's coming up in season two? Well, we're back to inspire. We've got loads of amazing guests coming on that are going to do exactly that. They're going to inspire you to a healthier, fitter, happier lifestyle. And as always, we're going to share lots of actionable advice that you can take home and use straight away to start moving you along this path to happiness, start getting you healthier, happier and fitter every single day. So who do we have coming on as guests in season two of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast? Well, we've already got some of the best health coaches in the UK, but we've also got some amazing coaches and amazing people from all over the world. And we're not just talking about health coaches, we've got business coaches, lifestyle coaches, and just people that could share an amazing story to help you live a healthier life and to inspire you to that healthier life. There is going to be some great fun on season two. There's also going to be some tears as well. We have some real heart-wrenching stories coming your way. One thing I did want to change in season two was I wanted to be really honest and, and open about exactly how we all live our lives and the the pitfalls of, of not living a healthy life. So we're trying to share that as much as possible in season two as well. So you understand what happens when you don't live a healthy life. It's all very well to sit here and say, you should do this, you should do that. But what's the, what's the downside if you don't do that? What is likely to happen to you in years down the line? Okay, we're going to share a lot of that. And, and due to that, we're going to have we're going to have quite some emotional chats. We're going to have some tears, but we're going to have a lot of fun as well. So before I get on and introduce today's amazing and inspiring and beautiful guest, I want to just tell you a little bit more about who's coming on in future episodes. And the first two I'd like to introduce are two doctors. Um, we have Dr. Julie Coffey, who's from Sheffield in the United Kingdom. And we have Dr. Lacey Chittle, who's all the way over in Sunny, California. The reason I've asked both these ladies to come on the podcast is because of their attitude to to modern health, and particularly with Dr. Julie Coffey in the UK. She's actually a serving GP, but she believes much more in functional medicine. So she believes in getting to the root cause of of problems and illnesses and and injuries. And she doesn't believe just simply in writing out prescriptions and giving pills. And this was was something we talked about a lot before she came on the podcast. And I love her attitude. I love the fact that she tries to get to the root cause of every illness, every disease, rather than just what we're used to in the UK, I think a lot of the time is just going to your GP and then writing out a prescription for you. And then you go and pay £8.50, whatever it is, for some pills that, that get rid of the problem. But all they're doing is masking the problem. You're just putting a band-aid over it, really. 
and Julie is going to get to the bottom of, of all these problems with you. A little bit controversial at times, but I absolutely love her approach to, to health and wellness. And Dr. Lacey Chittle, also a functional medicine practitioner, talks exactly the same as Dr. Julie Coffey does, gives you the same approach and attitude to health and wellness and getting to the root cause. So there's back-to-back episodes there, which are really really going to help you live a healthier life and to stop us all from just reaching for the medicine cabinet. Then staying over in the United States, I have a guy called Chris Pierce who's coming on. He's all the way down in Hawaii in the United States and I'm saving Chris for episode number 40 of the 40 Fit and Fabulous podcast. It's quite an iconic episode and Chris's episode that we've recorded is absolutely amazing. It is the most inspiring podcast episode I've ever heard and I'm not saying it's the most inspiring podcast episode I've ever recorded. It is the most inspiring podcast I have ever, ever heard. The things we talk about are just mind-blowing. Chris lays everything out on the table. He tells you everything about his life. We're talking about miscarriages. We're talking about adoption. There's tears on the podcast. I'm going to tell you there was tears in between the podcasts as well off air. It is the most inspiring story you're probably ever going to hear. So if you ever have suffered with adversity in your life or you're going through something like that now, I definitely recommend tuning in when Chris Pierce is on the show because it is going to be mind-blowing. And we have lots of other amazing guests on as well. We've got a business coach who's going to help you find more time during the day. I know we all need that. And I, and as I was sitting listening to Tristan talking and giving all this advice on how to, how to find more time during the day, I've, I tell you, for one, I found it really, really beneficial. So I know you will too. Then we have a young lady from Manchester in the United Kingdom who does the most amazing and funny YouTube videos and inspires her audience so well with how she comes across. She's so honest, so frank and so funny on social media. Come and listen to the podcast and then definitely go and check Charlotte out on YouTube. It's going to be the best thing you do all day long. But to kick us all off next week, we're going to invite Pollyanna Hale on, the creator of the Fit Mum formula. And we're going to take things right back to basics. She's going to talk a lot about calorie intake, calorie expenditure, and let's look at how you can help yourself lose weight by tracking the food you eat. It's a real back-to-basics episode, but she does it so, so well, and I can't wait to share that episode with you. But before we do that, we have to introduce today's guest. And bearing in mind, I've just sat here and told you how inspiring everything is, how upbeat everything is, and today is a little bit of a change from that. But today's guest is me. And the reason for that is I've been talking to a lot of people recently about my story and I've been giving a lot of talks in public about my story and particularly how I've dealt with my dad's situation. If you've connected with me on social media before and you'll probably be aware that I've talked about it on the podcast before about my father's illnesses and his back-to-back heart attacks, but I've always talked about it from a certain perspective. I've always talked about it about how he could have eaten better, how he could have exercised better, how he could have reduced the impact of these heart attacks or even stopped them from happening at all. But the one thing I'd never talked about on the podcast is actually the night that we got told he'd had the heart attacks or the night he was in hospital having the heart attacks. The reason I want to share this, and I'll be honest with you, it was it's the hardest thing I've ever had to share. It's a 20-minute podcast episode as normal. And it's taken me over an hour to record because it it was so emotional for me to actually recount that situation and share it with you. But the reason I want to do it is because I want you to understand how not looking after your health not only impacts you, but impacts your family and your loved ones as well. 
we can all put things off until tomorrow. We can all say there's next Monday, there's the new year, there's this, there's that. There's always a reason. We can always delay looking after ourselves. But unfortunately, if you keep delaying it, if you keep putting it off, there comes this point in time where your body just has enough and your body doesn't give you another day. It doesn't give you another hour. And I want to share now this experience that me and my mother had when my dad went into hospital that night and how tough it is for everybody not only on that night, but for the years following as well. You do not get a second chance. You do not get another take at this life. This is your only life. And I want to share with you now what happens when that goes wrong. So sit back, grab yourself a cup of tea, a glass of water. Definitely grab yourself a box of tissues because if it upsets you like it did me, you're going to need them in the next 20 minutes. So sit back, take it in, and please understand that everything I talk about in the next 20 minutes is honest, it's from the heart, and it's here to help you live a healthier life. So I'm aware it's the middle of the night. Something's woken me up. I'm just assuming at this drowsy state that it's, that's my, <laughs> my aging bladder. Um, but then then you can hear this this very, very loud ringing noise. And it takes me a few, few seconds to kind of wake up to it. But I realize that the phone, the landline in our room is ringing. And it's, it's deafening. It's really, really loud. So quickly, I try and get out of bed and try and answer the phone before it, before it wakes everybody else up. Um, Oscar's on the floor. He's woken up. He's stirring because of the noise. I've ducked my phone. It's like 2.30. This isn't good. This, this is not a good phone call. Bearing in mind, the last time I was on the phone was 9.30 that evening. I was actually talking to my dad and he was out of breath and he was out of breath to the to the extent it sounded like he was struggling to walk upstairs. Or it sounded like, actually, he'd just walked up the stairs or he just jogged up the stairs and he was a little bit out of breath. But I was on the phone to him for about 15 minutes and his breath never recovered. He constantly sounded like he'd just run up the stairs. Now, in my head, when I was on the phone, I knew I should have told him to, to go to the doctors or I should have, should have made him pursue that more. We did talk about that and he did say, yeah, I'll as he always does, dismisses it. Yeah, yeah, I'll go to the doctors maybe tomorrow if it's still bad or maybe later in the week I'll go. I should have been more forceful and I should have made him go. So here we are, 2.30 in the morning. I pick up the phone. It's my mum on the other end of the phone. My mum is in tears. She's in pieces. My dad has, has been taken to hospital. Um, the ambulance has come, has taken him to the hospital. So I'm, I'm kind of, from what I remember, I'm kind of getting changed as I'm talking to my mum. I'm aware that I need to go pretty quickly. You can just tell that it's it's bad and you need you need to be moving quickly. I'm trying to wake my girlfriend up at the time as well and trying to try to get her to listen to what I'm saying so she gets the gravity of how how desperate this is and how much we have to go out of the house now. Um and then my mum says something on the phone that that you you never really want to hear. She said that the two paramedics have taken my dad to the hospital. They've advised my mum to to follow up. Um but they've also advised her to be very quick. So you realize then just uh, just how bad it is. And you might even be able to tell from my voice, just talking about it now and thinking back to that situation, <clears throat> excuse me, gets gets me very upset and makes me very emotional. And that's probably going to happen quite a bit in the next 10 minutes as I recount this story. So we throw some clothes on, um, give Oscar a pat on the head as I go out the door and, um, and off we go to my mum's, which is about 10 minutes away. Now, by the time I get to my mum, she's she's calmed down a little bit. She's sitting at the dining room table. She's she's waiting. She's fully dressed, and um and we 
we pick her up and we, we go to the hospital. The the conversation in the car, which is about another 15 minutes from my mum's house to the hospital, is is quiet. In my head, I'm thinking that we're going to get there and I'm never going to see my dad again. Or I'm certainly never going to get to speak to him again. So when we arrive, we, um, we park up. We have a, a very short walk into the into the A&E of the hospital. Um, and we're, we're made to wait. It's obviously like three o'clock in the morning now. We're trying to trying to be patient, waiting, waiting in, well, there wasn't really a line from what I remember, but we're waiting for the receptionist to sort of notice us. And she, we, we tell her who we are and, and she directs us into the, it's not the ICU, which is the intensive care unit. This is, this is a ward that is for emergencies and is, um, how can, how can I put this? It's for dire emergencies people who have come in and need urgent medical care instantly and they they go into this this tiny ward and i call it a ward it's not a ward like you might know a hospital ward to be it's a um it's basically a a little long room with about seven beds in it it's out the way no one can see it no one can you can't walk past this ward like you can other wards in the hospital It's, it's tucked out the way so we walk in and um there's a, there's a lot of activity. There's there's about seven beds, all with blue curtains um, around them. Only one of these curtains is drawn. All the rest are open. And there's a, there's a person in front of us laying on a bed with an oxygen mask on, who looked exactly like my dad. He had the same hair, and um, he's laying on the bed, same sort of physical size. And underneath the oxygen mask, as he's laying on his side, and underneath the oxygen mask, as this man's laying on his side, is a pool of blood, dried blood, and. It kind of hits me then that my dad is really ill. This, to me, this is my dad. And I don't know any different. No one's, no one's directed us. No one's told us anything. Kind of been sent into this into this little ward. And, um, and a nurse, a female nurse comes past. She says, well, please stay there. We'll be with you in a moment. We've just, we're dealing with a, an incident at the moment. And we'll be with you as soon as we can. And, and at the far end, in, in like bed number one on, on our left, um, the curtains are drawn. And that there is about two doctors, four or five nurses, and they're all rushing around. So, okay, so we're waiting patiently. I'm looking at what I think is my dad in front of me, and I'm worried, you know, he's, he's laying there, he's he, he's asleep, and um, he's got an oxygen mask on, and he's, his head's sort of in blood, really, covered in blood, and I'm very worried about him. And all I can do is, is look around as I'm waiting, and there's a cupboard uh, to the side of me as I've walked in the door, and it's a cupboard that possessions are put in of people who have died in this ward. So instantly you're aware of how serious this ward is and you probably, without knowing the stats, you're aware that quite a lot of people who come into this ward don't actually come out again alive. So it's a, it's a big concern. So then, then this nurse comes back and she, she takes me, my mum and my girlfriend into what I would call a waiting room um, or what they might call a waiting room. It actually turns out to be a little bit of a broom cupboard. Uh, there's room for the three of us in there. And basically a pot plant, and, and that's about it. And with, with the three of us and the pot plant in the room, you, you can barely shut the door. It's really, really tiny. It's it's 3, 3.30 in the morning. It's dark. You're, you're terrified of what's happening. And you're left there to wait. And you don't know what's happening. And then a short while later, but it seemed about 15 minutes or so, uh, a male nurse comes into this room. And, and he comes in. He, he just stands in the doorway. Um, an Asian male nurse. And he, he, he says to us, okay, the instant they were dealing with was my dad. The person I, I saw on the bed wasn't my dad at all. The person 
that they was all panicking about and rushing around to help was my dad in the far bed with the curtains drawn. And he asked me this this horrible question. He said, uh, are you happy with your with your father to be resuscitated? And I, I said, yes, do, do whatever you absolutely, whatever you need to do to keep him alive, please, please do it. Um, it later become clear that they'd already resuscitated him once at this point. Um, and shortly after this nurse left the room, they, they had to resuscitate him again um, within minutes of each other. <clears throat> so he came in, he was, he was, he was quite relaxed. He, he kind of, even though it was a very serious situation, he kind of put us at ease a little bit and um, you were aware it's very serious, but you're also at this point fairly, well, as relaxed as you can be, I suppose. Hey, this is Mark Slight from Health Buddy. I want to know if you've taken the Health Buddy Challenge yet. A short five-day program that covers every aspect of your life so that you can look, move, and feel your best. If you want to try the Health Buddy Challenge, head over now to healthbuddy.fit and take the challenge today. So we then wait again, what seems like about 30 minutes. I had no watch on, I didn't know, but it seemed about 30 minutes. And then a doctor comes in. You can tell the difference between the nurses and the doctors straight away. There's a different persona about him, different clothes. And he comes into the room and he pulls up a chair and he shuts the door. As body language goes, this this was, up until this point, the worst moment of my life. I In my head, I was convinced we was about to be told that my my dad had passed away. They couldn't do anything for him. Absolutely convinced that this is what we was about to be told. I'm looking at I'm looking at my mum and thinking, how how do I do how do I deal with this? Like, I'm, I've I've got to be strong here. I can't I can't break down at this point. And this doctor he sits there and he he, he opens his mouth and uh, and some words start to come out and he he starts to say that my dad is seriously ill. They've resuscitated him twice. He's had two heart attacks at this point. And he stopped breathing uh, for 30 seconds twice. So for a minute overall while they, was, while they was resuscitating him. He is, and I remember these words quite clearly, he is as close to death as any human can be without and still being alive, basically. Um, and that was terrifying. But he was still with us. He was, he was very weak. Um, he was being kept alive by the medical staff around him. Um, and they, they, at this point, they was trying to keep him off a ventilating machine. They was trying to keep my dad's body working on its own without the assistance of a ventilating machine, which pleased me massively because about six months prior to this, my girlfriend had lost her stepdad very, very quickly. He'd gone into hospital on, I think, the, the, the Friday. He'd been placed on a ventilating machine on Saturday. And then within 24 hours, they had to switch the ventilating machine off. And I remember someone telling me then that very few people who go onto the ventilating machine actually come out of it on the good side. So when he said they was trying to keep him off the ventilating machine, I was very happy um, because of what happened to my girlfriend's stepdad. Obviously, I didn't tell my mum this. She knew nothing about this, so I kept that to myself. But I was I was very concerned at this point. But also massively, massively grateful that my dad was actually still alive because I was convinced I was about to be told that he was dead. So they, they say they're going to clean my dad up. Um, they're going to monitor him for a little bit. They've still got some work to do. He's, he's still, he's not looking, not looking his best, I think he said. Um, so they're going to clean him up, clean all the all the blood up and everything else and clean the machine away and, and make him look a bit tidier. Then they're going to move him up to ICU. Um, and in a short while, me, my mum, my girlfriend would be able to see him before they move him up to ICU. So that was good news. Um, whilst, well, whilst they was cleaning him up and before we could actually go and see him, they did come in and they they explained to us that 
that my dad <clears throat> was too weak to support his own body that he was too weak to breathe on his own and that he had in fact been placed on the ventilating machine and that was the only thing that was keeping him alive at this point his his breathing capacity was down to about 10% because of all the stress and the trauma his um his lungs had, had effectively seized and they couldn't they couldn't um expand and contract on their own which is why he was on the ventilating machine um and he was going to have to stay on that until until some kind of um, pliability had returned to his lungs and they, they could actually function on their own and, and they was confident enough that they could take him off the machine and he could breathe on his own this could take three days four days up to a week um but i am now convinced in the in the back of my head that um my dad has less than 24 hours to live because of what's happened to my girlfriend's stepdad six months before obviously again i can't tell my mum this but um this is in my head that um it's in my head that you can never speak to your dad again <clears throat> as you stand over the bed and and you see all the machinery connected to your dad and you realize that there's so many things you wanted to say so many things that you wanted to do and for me it wasn't i'm sorry And for me, it wasn't so much hearing my dad's voice again. It was the fact that he couldn't hear what I wanted to tell him. The things that I wanted to say. This, the simplest thing, like just putting your hand on his and just telling him you love him. Was was never going to happen again. So, so we stand there for a little while. And we don't really say a lot, to be honest, between us. We just look and... Make a little bit of small talk, and, and we're basically um, waiting now for for people to come and, and move my dad to to ICU. Uh, it seemed like quite a while. It did seem like we was there for probably twenty thirty minutes. You you kind of want them to come and take him to ICU so he can be looked after, but there's there's also a part of you that thinks you. That this is the last time you're actually going to be in the same room as him while he's alive. Even though there's not, uh, at this stage, there's not, uh, <laughs> I use the word alive very loosely, there's not, he's not up and dancing or anything, but you do just feel that this is the most you're ever going to get out of him again. And it's heartbreaking. But after a little while, um, people do come and. They, they take him away and they, they move him up to the ICU. And the three of us, we, we kind of head home. And then we take my mum home. Make sure that she's alright. She uh, she makes a coffee. She, shaky hands. I think more, more coffee and sugar goes on the side than it does in the cup. Bless her. I offered to stay. Um, she didn't want to. She wanted us to go back to Oscar and, and to get some sleep. So we did. This is this is probably now 10 a.m. when we get back. Um, actually, I went back up to, to bed. I, I think I come home and walked Oscar for a little bit, and then uh, then I went to bed and and I got some sleep. Not not much, but a couple of hours. And we'd arranged to go and see my mum again about two o'clock, two three o'clock in the afternoon. And from there, we was going to go back up to up to the hospital. So yep, two o'clock comes around. We go and pick mum up. She's she's much better. She's sitting at the dining room table she's 
she's having a coffee she's she's much much better um and she's um yeah she she doesn't seem as upset she seems more focused and and she seems ready to go up the hospital all is good so i think i come around i had a coffee with her as well spent a little bit of time just talking um i don't remember what we talked about um i tried to keep things as positive as possible and as hard as it was and at this point i haven't shown any emotion whatsoever um in front of my mum or, or indeed when i went home and, and slept it didn't it didn't come out of me at all but we go to um we're, we're getting ready at this point and we're just putting our shoes back on and we're getting literally getting ready to walk out the door you know we're just turning the lights off and we're just going out of the house and the telephone rings and i don't know what it was inside me i knew i absolutely knew this was the hospital um and i kind of got the feeling here as well that as positive as as I was being, that this next journey to the hospital was going to be pointless. Uh, so I answered the phone because I, I thought I knew what was coming. And I didn't want my mum to deal with that. And, and selfishly, I also didn't want to hear it through my mum's phone call on the phone. I kind of wanted to hear it myself. So I picked up the phone and, and this young nurse... Um, answers and says who she is she was she was um she was emma from the icu and she was the nurse looking after my dad but i could tell straight away that if she was about to deliver bad news she was she had quite a happy tone of voice and if she was about to tell me really bad news she um she didn't have the grave dark depressive voice i was expecting and and she said to me that um they've they've switched my dad's machine off and they've woke him up and he's he's up now and he's he's having a drink and he's absolutely fine and and we and I just couldn't believe it I just I, I remember just just asking her again and again like are, are you sure you know are you sure you got the right person because he was on death stories he was he was as ill as any person could be and still be alive you know he was he had 10% lung capacity how could he possibly be off this machine he was showing no signs of improvement whatsoever and she just said that she monitored him for the last five, six hours and, and she just, she thought he was ready to come off. So she switched the machine off and he just started to breathe on his own and and we couldn't believe it. So we f <laughs> we flew to ICU in probably the happiest mood we've, we've ever been. Um, and we get there and, and my dad's sure enough, he's up and he's he's okay and he looks he looks like my dad again. And, and it was, um, it was an amazing, amazing feeling. It really was. Um, he had memory loss. He he kept asking us repeatedly, how long has he been in? How long has he been in? Um, he, he couldn't go more than 20 seconds without asking the same question again. He, he had very, very bad memory loss. But to be fair, his memory wasn't that great before he went into hospital. Um, and then he spent three weeks. He got transferred from ICU after a couple of days. And he got transferred up to to one ward and then on to another. And he was in hospital for three weeks having various tests and and bits and pieces. And, and we, we found out the extent of the problems. He'd had two two heart attacks back to back. And that was it. And then three weeks later, he came out of hospital and, and he's had another two and a half years of, of sort of constant tests. He's on, he's on about 11 different pills every day to manage all these different conditions that he's got. And this is now his life. Um, every Every week in hospital or, or, the, or the GP surgery, two to three times at least, different medication all the time he'll never come off his medication he's, he's on that for the rest of his life now 
and then following on from this, it's led to to myself having some heart scans because he's um, he's passed on some some heart conditions as well. Um, but the bulk of his conditions have been caused by his own diet and lifestyle over the previous fifty years. So there is definitely a lesson to be learned in looking after yourself. And I hear it a lot of time. I haven't got time for this. I haven't got time for that. The sad truth is, if you haven't got time to prep your food, if you haven't got time to move a little bit more and get a bit of exercise and take care of yourself now. You need to make time to be ill later in life. And when I say ill, I'm talking seriously ill. This is the hardest thing I've ever done recorded this podcast episode. I've had to pause this so many times because I, I just find it so hard to talk about trying to relate to you, the listener, what the feelings were like, what it was, what the situation is like, the hospital waiting room, doctors coming to tell you that your, your loved ones have passed away. I'm trying to convey it as real as possible. And for me to kind of go back to that time and remember them situations i i have cried so many times during recording this podcast i've paused it so many times you need to understand that if you're over 40 and you're not looking after yourself there is a very very good chance that this is going to be your life and there's a massive part of me that thinks i'm not even concerned as much about you yourself if you want to hurt yourself and you want to cause this amount of pain to yourself and you want to be ill that's that's up to you really but think about the people around you the effects this had on me and my mum are horrendous and we we get this now for the rest of our life as well we we have to take my dad's hospital we have to put up with with the with the slippery slope he's on because he's never going to get much better he's 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 always going to be struggling for breath he's he's always going to have heart conditions now and he's always going to be ill and it's the people around you that have to pick up the pieces and just that one night alone in the hospital and having the paramedics come to your house and being told that your loved ones are being resuscitated as you sit 20 feet away is is just heart-wrenching and I cannot if you've never been through it I cannot explain how tough it really is um maybe it's come across I've, I've left some of my emotion in this podcast and maybe that's come across in the podcast but you you need to understand that there isn't always going to be another Monday my dad for one was I'll start Monday I'll start Monday I'll start a new diet in the new year and there comes a point where it's just it's too late you can't keep having Mondays and Mondays and Mondays you're on borrowed time we get one life we need to make the most of it if you're too busy to cook and too busy to exercise like I said you're going to have to make time to be ill you really really are you need to focus nowadays on on your health every single day um, to stop this happening because once it starts to happen once you start to deteriorate once you get on the slippery slope it is too late so there we are one of the hardest things I've ever had to do for my business one of the hardest things I've ever had to share and I'm sure that comes across in the episode just then I'm I'm sorry there was a few breaks I'm sorry there was a, a little bit of sniffing throughout it really really was tough to record that but if that helps one person, just one, understand how extreme not looking after your health can be. And even when you think you're doing well, even when you just say to yourself, there's always tomorrow, I could always start next week. Please listen to that again and please understand that time does run out, that we don't always have the luck we want. Things can go wrong and it's our loved ones and our closest and our nearest and dearest that really do suffer the most. Once my dad had the heart attacks, I, I did speak to him a few weeks afterwards. He didn't remember anything other than coming downstairs and being out of breath. From the minute he really started to to suffer, he didn't remember any of that. So the next eight or nine hours when we was in ICU and we was in the dependency ward, 
My father knew nothing of that. Absolutely nothing. And it's just the people that are left behind that are left to suffer. So please, please, if it just reaches one of you, please, please make that change today. And please don't put anyone you love through this. It is the worst experience of my life. And I never want to go through it again. I never want anyone to have to go through this again. If you need more help, if you need more advice, please head over to the show notes. Please go to healthbuddy.fit. You can contact me in any way you like there. All my social media links are there. Obviously, you can go straight to social media. You can search Health Buddy on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram. Don't forget your five-day Health Buddy challenge. Head over to healthbuddy.fit so you can take that today. It's a free challenge, but it might just start you on the right path to a healthier life. If you've been one of these people who've struggled for years, you don't know where to begin, where to start, you feel a little bit of a lost cause, the Health Buddy challenge is made for you. It is the simplest, simplest start to a healthier new, happier you. So go over to healthbuddy.fit, try that out. But all I've got left to say is thanks for listening. Thanks for subscribing and liking and reviewing and sharing the podcast as so many of you have done. If this episode does resonate with you, if you do find it inspiring or you know someone it can help, please, please share it with them. Like I say, I just want to help one person. If I can save one life doing this, it's totally worth it. So please feel free to share this with whoever you know it might help. And of course, don't forget to come back in a couple of days time for the next episode with Pollyanna Hale of the Fit Mum Formula. We're going to revert back to the normal podcast format of me talking to guests. Uh, You're not going to have to sit through me for 30 minutes anymore. Pollyanna's got some great advice, so don't forget to come and check that out. Also, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss the episodes. The minute they're released, you'll get a little notification pop up. It's very worthwhile doing that. Don't want to miss an episode. Other than that, I just want to say thank you again for listening, taking the time out of your day to do that. I love you all for listening to this episode. Take care. I'll speak to you again in episode number 35.